You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. It's just a privilege to be back here, be back into my home, be back in my home church and see familiar faces and uh, it's, it's such a blessing. Um, I'm going to ask that you turn into your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you'd all stand in honor of reading God's word. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Right, I'll begin reading in verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desireth the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. You may be seated. Uh, I've brought to you a a message I've I've spent some good time just really considering because uh, I, I eventually want to become a pastor. Uh, I eventually want to, Lord willing, be on the mission field and to serve God in that capacity. So I I have learned one, well, I've learned a lot of things at Heartland, but one of the things that I've learned is that there's actually just two positions in a church. You're either the pastor or you're a help to the pastor. You're a pastor or the help to a pastor. And I'm sure I I can ask each and every one of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but I can ask you, do you want to be a help to your pastor? The answer should be a resounding yes. Absolutely. You want to be a help to your pastor. Uh, You you might want to, this would help you is if you understand what he goes through, maybe just get a little bit behind his thought process, that you might be able to help him better. So... uh, this passage, it, it just deals with that. It, it, it gives the qualifications of the preacher. And specifically, I want to talk about this. This is going to be my title of the message. It's called Qualified for the Position. It, you must be qualified for the position, whether you're qualified to be the pastor or qualified to be a pastor's helper, to be the help for the pastor. You must be qualified. So... The first thing that I would like to talk about is an experience that I had uh, just not too far away from here. I used to work at Shopco, and I used to have to be under managers there and under the corporate world. And let me just say, nobody really likes the corporate world. (laughs) If you've ever worked a a retail job, you're just not a fan of the corporate world because they're always trying to just micromanage your individual life. You're, You're trying to serve your best for your your Shopco or your, your Burger King or whatever, and the corporate world is just trying to get in there and just influence you. And you're like, man, this doesn't make sense. This is not going to work. And most of the time, to me, it just didn't work at Shopco. 
they would send us some things that we'd call planograms. There's these piece of papers that have these little plans and whatever, and you just have to match it to your shelf. All right, this item goes here, this item goes here. And it, the concept makes sense. They keep everything just rearranging, making it look fresh with new content or, or just rearranging it to have, group things together. I mean, that, it makes sense, but most of the time it just didn't work. Like, you wouldn't have the product in until another month, or you wouldn't, or the measurements wouldn't line up. And I'm just, I, I was just forever frustrated with the corporate world. Why would you send me this? It is, ah, I'd always be just so frustrated. And, but even in amidst this, this crazy frustration, it really taught me a lot about just leadership and how leadership worked. There's that district manager that would come and check your planograms and be frustrated that you didn't get it right even though it's their fault. You'd have the district manager, you'd have like the general man manager, assistant managers, then all the employees. It just taught me that hierarchy of leadership. And I may have had a bad attitude there at Shopco, but I at least learned that. So, but when we jump into the biblical world, don't take my attitude to the biblical world, all right? Leadership, it, it works the same. You, you have, like, it, it's a big theological truth how leadership works. It's, you have the leader, and then everybody under the leader, and there's this hierarchy. Uh, works the same as it does in Shopko as it does in the biblical world. The head honcho will tell the people under him how, the things, how to do the things that he was tasked to do. And... Just like that in the Bible, Jesus had designated people, the, the people that spent the most time with him, the apostles, he had designated all these people to, to lead the churches. And this isn't something new to each of you. This is just how, how it is. Uh, and Paul, Paul, one of those apostles, he was out of due time. He was, uh, he was struck on the Damascus Road and then later spent time with uh, Jesus in Arabia, learning of him and learning from him, taught by Jesus. Now, wouldn't you want to be taught by Jesus personally? That, that would have been awesome. And it did happen. It happened to Paul. He, so Paul, with all this knowledge under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gets in contact with Timothy, a man that, well, you can re read that in verse uh, 2, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, somebody, I think, verse 2 in chapter 1, uh, that I think that he might have personally led to the Lord and just influenced and, and just adopted him that way. He, he wrote to him. And, and I think there, there's a good reason why he wrote to them. And we can read that. Well, let's go to chapter 14 and, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3 in verse 14. It says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long. So he, he's, he's writing and he's thinking, oh, I want to be with you. I definitely want to be with you. And I want to teach you these things personally, but I, I'm not going to be able to make it there. I, I don't think I'm going to make it there. So I, I just need to send this letter out. It, it's important that, that you get this. It's important that you understand uh, what, what I'm going to share with you. Well, what, what is it that he wants it to share? That, what is that instruction? Well, let's continue reading the verse. Thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Uh, that's a mouthful. That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. So basically, he's telling you, don't be running around in the church, right? And hey, be respectful. This is God's house. Uh, don't, don't be parking in the visitors and elderly parking spots when you're not supposed to, all right? Is that, is that what he's saying? Uh, that, that's good, good advice. Those are good rules. Uh, but that's not exactly what he's saying. He, he's saying, 
that thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. He, where are we at? We, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the church. It's the called out assembly. It, it's, it's valuable. It, God has called them out. And of the living God. This is not old, any old God of, uh, that anybody, the Ephesians, would know. This is not Zeus. This is not Hermes or anything. This is the house of the living God. This is, this is special. This is something, it, it, it's not just God. It's not just somebody like Buddha or Allah. It's not somebody like Muhammad. It's the living God. Amen. The one true living God. The one that has life, that created life. Amen. It's not whatever perversion of deity that anybody claims. It's God, Jesus Christ. And he's writing to that church that's called out by the living God, which is the same entity that we are today. And what is our task? Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, something else that can describe what we're supposed to do. The pillar and the ground of the truth. Amen. What does that mean? Uh, I'm not normally called a pillar. Uh, let's use a pillar for an example. Located over here and over here, we have these two pillars. They are supporting these beams here which is supporting something very important, the roof. It keeps us safe from the weather. It keeps us safe from the rain. It doesn't wash away our pews or our Bibles as we're sitting here in church. It, it keeps us safe. That's a good thing. Here's another pillar. So this is supporting us. This is a pillar right here. This is, you, you don't take notice of the pillar. You're looking at the flowers normally. You see the flowers. You see what's important. You see this this entity that's the beautiful part of all of this. Yes, this is beautiful, but that's not the focus. The focus is the flowers. Just yesterday, we, I was able to attend the memorial service for Miss Evelyn Foster. And on these pillars were not these flowers, but just a picture uh, of Miss Evelyn. And, and nobody was sitting here in, in the pews and looking at the pillar. They were looking at, the, uh, at her picture. That, that was what was important. So what was, what's important in here is that we are pillars. We get to hold up the word of the living God. We, we get to hold up what is the most magnificent God and the, the only God in all of creation. Amen. We get to hold up his word to mankind. The holiest God gives sinful mankind the word of God, and we get to proclaim it. And that is what we're called to do. We're called to proclaim the word of God. We're called to showcase it in our life. Our life is supposed to be supporting the word of God. We're, it's evidence of us, of Christianity, of true Christianity, our life, that support. That's what we're called to do as a church. That's good architecture right there. It shows us of our sin and this is the word of God. It shows us, and we have the privilege to hold it. It's awesome. And so, so since we're showcasing the word of God in our life, it's, it's, since that's so important as a church body, since that's so very important, you might have to take some steps to actually do it. You know, how can you do something that's so important? How, how can we do that? Well, he talks about that again. Paul, Paul writes about that in chapter 2. You know, let me just read a couple of verses right off the, right there. It says, men should pray everywhere and lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's, verse, that's chapter 2, verse 8. The idea, isn't that, the idea isn't that he's lifting hands, but that they're holy, that they're clean. 
uh, or uh, in verse 9 to 12, women should adorn themselves with modest apparel and, and just showcase God in that way. Women shouldn't usurp authority over the man. He's, he's trying to give some practical advice so you can do this very thing, which is showcase the word of God. And that's how you ought to behave, man and woman. But that's normally not how men and women behave. Men and women are fickle. We're oftentimes disobedient. Hey, can you agree to that? <laughs> that's true. Who would want to lead disobedient and fickle men? Well, if someone has a crazy idea or a desire to lead fickle and disobedient men like you and I, let's see what the Bible has to say about that person. See, this is a true saying. I know no other truth is what Paul is saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. You know, it starts with a desire. Brother Jet was just, just saying that up here just earlier, that he has that desire to be here and has that want, and God's put that within him. He, he has that desire to shepherd a people and to teach them the, the way of God, the word of God. Now, I, I do want to spend some time on this word bishop because we can get confused because the Catholic Church has made a mockery of a hier hierarchy that doesn't exist. So I do want to spend a, a moment talking about that. It, the word bishop here in this passage, as long and with the, the rest of the Bible, bishop, elder, pastor, these are all interchangeable. It, it, I have proof, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. I, I do want to take some time and just look at that passage and see... And just see what it has to say about these three things being interchangeable. So, so let me give you some context. Paul's on his missionary journey and he desires to stop at Ephesus. But he's in a hurry and he's just not able to because he wants to be at Jerusalem for Passover. So he sends them all to come to him. And that's what's happening in verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Note that he's called elders. So basically, he holds a Baptist preacher meeting, and he gives them a good charge. That's the rest of the content. But let's look a little further in verse 28. There it is. He charged the elders of the church. He says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That's, that's the same word that they're using for the word bishop. To feed the church of God. Now, that's the same. I, you're going to have to trust me. Maybe you have to look later uh, in the Greek and everything. But I, I, I've read the Greek. It's the same word that they get the... It's the same from Hebrew where they get the word shepherd or, or pastor. Uh, where was I? Feed the church of God, which, is, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So what's an overseer? Exact same word as bishop. Uh, he's supposed to look out for the people of God and, and look out for those people that God has placed him over, either by leading, by example, or teaching. He tells them to feed the flock, the same thing a shepherd would do, because shepherd means pastor. In Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Good surrounding verse that has a lot of good context. I won't spend that much time getting into it. 
So another person might refer to a pastor as a preacher, uh, which that's what he is. He preaches the word. So a pastor, a bishop, an elder, whatever you want to call him, he has that desire to be here at the church. And I just mentioned Pastor Jason Jett has that desire to be here at Eastside Baptist Church. And one way you can help your pastor is to help him keep that desire. I mean, you, you did vote yes to having him, him here. Uh, I, was make, I was trying to decide on the title, and it, I was thinking, uh, you have a pastor, now live with him. That was one of my titles. But I wasn't that cruel until mentioning it now. So God has put that desire in his heart to serve you in this capacity. And it's more personal than that. Pastor Jack wants to pastor you. Uh, make sure that he, he loves to be your pastor. Make him want to pastor you guys. Be receptive and then during his preaching, during his teaching. Be loving. You know, nothing is more encouraging to talk, uh, than talking to somebody who wants to hear what you want to say. What, he, what you say. There we go. And it says in the Bible, it's a good work. Pastor Jet has desired a good work, and I know you guys are going to make him work at pastoring, aren't you? <laughs> I say that jokingly, but you live with your spouse. You, you know how much they need pastoring. You have children. They definitely need pastoring, and uh, you, you need the pastoring, too. You know yourself. You live with yourself. You know Pastor Jet has his work cut out for him. So let me put it this way. The good work of a pastor, or the good work of a bishop, it needs a good worker. And I, I earnestly believe you have one. He's up here doing song leading. He's up here doing an, uh, an preaching and doing all he can for you guys. And you guys have been blessed. But I don't think it's just about pastors in this passage because Paul wrote to a pastor himself. And this pastor was supposed to look out amongst his congregation, the people that he's shepherding, and to point unto them elders. He's supposed to be looking at the congregation and seeing whether they're qualified too. He's looking for potential pastors. And potential pastors' wives. And hey, behind every good man is a better lady. <laughs> So, Timothy was looking amongst the congregation like you and I, and he's wondering, could anybody here qualify to be the next pastor at Ephesus Baptist Church? Or, or maybe Miletus Baptist Church, or, or an, a planting church. He's looking at everybody inside the congregation, could, could they pastor? Could they be a pastor's wife? And so maybe you ought to ask yourself, am I qualified? That's good. Uh, you could be thinking, absolutely not. You just mentioned, I live with me and I know me. There's no way God is calling me to be a pastor. Uh, maybe he's not. You could be right. But these specific attributes that a pastor has, I think, I personally think, and I know God thinks, that other people should have these attributes. Everybody should have the same attributes that a pastor has. These are good attributes. And I, I love Pastor Spencer. He's such a caring man, and I love him to bits. And he has some amazing attributes that I know each and every one of you should have. And the same thing with Pastor Jet here. He has very good attributes that each and every one of you should carry 
Like may, maybe have more of a relationship with the Lord. That's a good attribute. Maybe be a, a more consistent in prayer life. That's a great attribute. Yes. Leading and just serving in the maximum capacity. Those are great attributes that we can learn from men here, that pastor, and from the word of God. These are good. So maybe this is the next question would be, how can I become better qualified? Better, and how can I get these attributes? Or how can I prepare? If, if everybody should be like a pastor, if everybody should have the same qualities that a pastor has, how can I have them? So ask yourself in this way, how can I, a church member at Eastside Baptist Church, qualify to be a pastor? How can I, a, a member at Eastside Baptist Church, qualify to be a pastor's wife? Because I, I earnestly think a, pa- a qualified pastor needs to be a qualified church member. A qualified pastor's wife needs to be a qualified church member. So how can I be a qualified church member? Well, let's go through the list here. Qualified church member must then be blameless. Now, blameless, it's a unique word. It means innocent of wrongdoing. It means guiltless. It means uh, above reproach, and it means above suspicion. If any accusation is made against Pastor Jet here, I want to look at that person in the eye and say, absolutely not. That is literally impossible. I, I want to make sure, like, this, this would be a great help for Pastor is that he, has, he always has that accountability. That, that would be so much a blessing to him. Uh, since I'm not a pastor, I can't use my experience, but I, I can use the experience of others because, or other pastors that I've, I've heard. And one of them is Pastor uh, Jason Gaddis, who's a pastor at Southwest Baptist Church. And he has two specific people, and he doesn't let anybody know who these people are. And they, those two people don't even know who, that they're, who each other is in this sense, that they are pastors' accountability pastor goes to them and just goes out to eat with them and they, they, they go through this checklist it's kind of awkward. It's just very personal and like, alright, are you maintaining your purity? Okay, are you maintaining your walk with the Lord? It's very personal. It, it, it's accountability. That's what that is. And I know a man that could have a lot of time in, in his office, private. He, he's going to need accountability with that. He's going to need to have somebody like, all right, bro, you need to stop playing video games on your phone. I'm not accusing him of that, but he's going to need somebody. Uh, how are you managing your time? I'm doing bad in this area. I'm having trouble delegating. Well, maybe you ought to take that to yourself and help him with that. And be, be accountable that way. Anybody in, that, in the church should have that kind of character, that you have accountability. Now, you can mention... Uh, I, I don't want to be able to look at Pastor Jason Jet or anybody in this church for that matter, look at him and be like, oh, that guy's, he's kind of sketchy. His character, uh, his character's in a dark place. I, I don't want to say that about anybody. I know sketchy's kind of a, a slang word, but it, it's, it's used correctly. It, you, you don't want to have the character of a dark alleyway. You, you don't want that. How about this? Uh, the, the word blameless, looking it up in the, in the, on Esau and whatever, means not arrested. I don't, I don't want to look at it, like, pastor, I don't want to look at anybody in here and look at you and say, you're not arrested yet. I, I, I don't want to look at that. I don't want anybody to look at me like that either. That's terrible. 
I, I don't want to look at a guy in here or a woman and say, ah, you're a thug, aren't you? That's, that's, a, that's a spotty character. That's not good. We, we, don't, we don't want that. And I, I feel like I'm going to be rushing through these qualifications because there's a lot of it. But that will help your pastor. If you have a spotless character, you should make it difficult for him to preach. Man, I don't know what sins these people are involved in. <laughs> no, you should talk to pastor about that, it's for sure. But it, it shouldn't be on you. It shouldn't be continually out of your mouth, the, the nastiness of sin and the filthiness. So that brings me to the next qualification. I don't want to look at him as like a thug. And what's, what's one way you can look at somebody as a thug? Well, if they're hanging around some ungodly people. If they're hanging around... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting mixed up here. You should never catch a man alone with a woman who's not his wife. Yes. That, that will save a lot of ministry woes that I've heard about at Heartland. I've... And it's, it's terrible to hear about the amount of godly men who have fallen to that sin. And it's, it's absolutely atrocious. You should hold them accountable to that. You should hold Pastor Jason, Pastor Jed accountable to that. And you, you should live that way as well. It's not, it's not good to spend that amount of time. Other, like I, I understand like the courting scene and all that. That's, that's different. That's not my point. You shouldn't be catching them like in the office door closed. You know, things like that. You shouldn't. At, oh, oh, they talk a lot. Shouldn't have that kind of attitude when approaching. Oh, that's that's a little awkward. So, ladies, don't put yourself in that situation with Pastor. He'd appreciate it. Uh, he he's. I have I have honestly barely met Miss Aaron here, but I I can already tell she's a lovely person and. If you are a woman, need to talk to somebody, talk to Miss Aaron. And that will help pastor out greatly. But the, the wording of this passage, uh, it's, or this part of the passage, it, it's, it's a little strange. It says, the husband of one wife. Uh, that is, wouldn't you agree, that's kind of weirdly worded. Because he, Paul, he could have said, needs to be married once, or, or need, needs to have one wife, or, or uh, I'm going to mix up, uh, needs to, just, I, he, he has a lot of different options, Word, words are magical, okay, <laughs> but it, it, it's worded strangely, uh, I think, uh, and with the study and everything, it needs to be married, a qualified church member, not pastor too, needs to be a one woman man. Oh, a one-man woman. That's what, he, that's what he's getting at. You think, so is it somebody, like, some can't be divorced? What about widowers? What about single people? Can they be qualified? Well, let's just tackle them one at a time and see. see. Um, so I can speak like this. Anybody who has been divorced or watched it, you know how difficult and terrible it is. And that's, that's it's, it's a mess. Whether it, you know, like you have to meet up children, plan that all out, and should I trust this other person, whatever. It, divorce is a mess. And I, I earnestly believe that God does not want divorce behind the pulpit. That's, 
He doesn't want this, this giant mess behind the pulpit. And it's not, I don't think it's rude to tell people that. It's, it's definitely not, because he's, this is God's position, a pastor. It, God sets the qualifications for his position. It's a, it was the same thing with the Levites and with the priests. And God sets the qualifications. He has the right to decide who fills it. So divorce, it, as terrible as it is, and sin according to the Bible, I don't, it, it shouldn't be behind the pulpit. But if anybody's gone through that, there's still redemption. There's still Amen. forgiveness of sin. Amen. You won't be able to fill the pulpit, but God's not calling you to do that. But he's still calling you to be a Christian. Right. Still calling you to serve in that capacity, in whatever capacity that you're able to serve in. Amen. So what about like widowers? Well, the vow was de- till death do us part. So um, there's also no marriage in the resurrection. So if we're in the resurrection, they were near, neither married nor given in marriage, but at, are as the angels of God in heaven. Like Personally, I don't see a problem with widowers. I mean, he, I, I'm just talking about I was talking about future, because someday Pastor Jason Judd will step down too, and I, I want to make sure that my my thrust is that you you guys know, you guys know what to expect from the man of God in the pulpit at all times, and God can still bless people that have lost loved ones like that. And what about single men? Can they be pastors? I, I actually know a uh, brother. I think AJ Lutrick. Uh, he's a uh, Washington, that's where he's at. He's in Washington, and he's a single pastor. And I honestly think, yes, you can be a single pastor, because I think you still qualify. You qualify in this round, the husband of one wife. The focus is on the one. The focus of that passage, it's on the one. So as being a one-woman man, that means that you can be a one-woman man and not be married. I think you can be set apart for marriage without actually being married just yet. You're waiting on that woman. You're waiting on that man. You could be set apart in that way. The thrust that he's trying to get at is a lot about the blameless because he doesn't, he doesn't want somebody in the pulpit with spotty character. He doesn't want somebody leading the church with spotty character. And the thrust that he has in that way is that Somebody who's going to be uh, promiscuous and not, not valuing something what God has called sacred. He, he doesn't want that behind the pulpit. He doesn't want somebody who's dwelling in sin behind the pulpit. He doesn't want that in the congregation as well. He doesn't want that kind of living at all. He, you're not going to be a qualified church member if that's the lifestyle you're living in. And God doesn't want that. So God wants you to live blameless. He wants you to be a one-woman man, a one-man woman. That's a tongue twister, but we got it. (laughs) My note says, you're sounding a little crazy. I know. (laughs) So don't fall into that sin. Remain pure. Remain a qualified church member. Watch out for that. So the next question, uh, so the next qualification for a church member, it's this. A qualified church member must be vigilant. Definitions, just they help so much in this. It gives you a lot of content to preach with, amen? 
And so, meaning, uh, this church member, he must be watchful and circumspect. I'm going to be driving back to Oklahoma City tomorrow. I'm going to be filled up with good food from my family, and I'm going to be just relaxed. And there's this tendency that you might have when you're in a warm vehicle, the sun's coming on you, and you're just enjoying life. The tendency is to not be so vigilant, to not be so watchful. The tendency is drowsiness. And that, that's, the, that's what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, you know, you need to be awake. You need to just wake up in, in that area. You need to be watchful, watching for the people around you, circumspect, uh, circumspect cautious about how the people are living. You, you want to be knowing this, and you want to be loving the people to tell them, hey, you're going down a wrong path. You better watch out. If I fall asleep, that will be life-altering. It, let me say it like this. If Pastor Jet falls asleep as a pastor, that would be life-altering. So if you, somebody who, who can't and shouldn't take life on cruise control, uh, falls asleep, that'll be life-altering. And I, I mean cruise control, like you're, taking, you're just taking life as it comes on without any consideration. No, wake up! Your, your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Somebody who's not being watchful is going to be devoured. You're going to fall into it. Don't let him. Don't let the passivity take over your life. Be awake. There's danger all around. There can be sin around any corner. It is, uh, Pastor Jet was just even talking about it this morning. Just you be watchful for the mud puddles and watch out for that. The light needs to be near you at all times. Be watchful. Be proactive. You might have to put safety filters on your phone. Be, be vigilant. You, you, might, you might just have to get, your, get rid of your phone. Uh, that, that might, you might, I, you've heard the old adage, haven't you? Uh, if you can't handle a smartphone, get a dumb phone. <laughs> but be vigilant. I, I feel like it's, it's more valuable if you have a flip phone rather than falling into sin continually. If, if you want to avoid that place you shouldn't go while you're driving, then just drive a different way to work. Be vigilant. If you're prone to having an attitude, work on it. Be vigilant. Don't live your life on cruise control. A qualified church member just must be vigilant. But it's easy. It's easy to live life on cruise control. But what's better than cruise control? Self-control. A qualified church member just must have self-control. And I don't feel like I need to spend a long time on this one, but you really know somebody who doesn't have self-control. It's easy to spot them. I think of maybe like a little child at your local Walmart. They normally have lack of self-control. He throws himself on the floor and cries. That's not being sober-minded. You're letting your wants overtake your emotions. You're letting your wants overtake your sound reasoning. You're so consumed by it. No, you, you need to be controlled, self-controlled. Or even controlled in the spirit, but sober-minded, you allow the spirit to control your life. So if you have that self-control, you, you, you might just get up earlier on the morning to start your day, spend time in the word, spend time in prayer, especially if it's a Sunday. Well, if it's Saturday night, 
you know, your self-control will tell you to go to bed early. Self-control, uh, you like tell you, hey, I can make it to church on time. Like, that's, I, I just have to wake up 15 minutes earlier, get the routine going, let's go. That's, that's self-control. If you're not on time, if you're not awake in a s- service, uh, you're, it's showing that you have a lack of self-control, and I would even call that not having a good behavior. That's the, that's the next part of the verse. A qualified church member, you just might have good behavior. Now, I'm just working through it. Just, it's really easy to work through a passage expositorily because that's how it was written, one word at a time. So being of good behavior. He's saying orderly, grave. You don't want a pastor who's a fool. You don't want a pastor who's a clown. It means you are being orderly about, you have the order of service and you're just ready to go. You're not causing a mess or anything. You're just doing it. You're taking responsibility. I'm not saying you can't have fun, but you know, I think since it's the church of the living God, we might have, and we have that responsibility to share the truth of the living God, we might just take it seriously. So if coming to the service early to help greet people is a good way to help with the gospel, I mean, I'd order myself an alarm clock. Amazon it to you. <laughs> if you're a thoughtful person, just think about the people around you. Uh, you consider it. it. You help maintain that order by, by following, falling into order yourself. You be in your place when you're expected to, whether someone on earth expects you to or somebody in heaven expects you to. So, be of good behavior. Be orderly. So, there's also hospitality. God's expecting you, Pastor Jet, I'm going to tell you this, God's expecting you to open your door whenever somebody knocks on it in your home. That's it's a good method of sharing the gospel, to show them love. And as church members, I think you're expected to as well. You're a Christian. You ought to be able to share the gospel and to share God's love with anybody that comes to your door. So you just got to open the door. No, no, no. I, you, don't, you don't sit there and when somebody knocks on the door, you hide. You don't, you don't do that. You don't hide around the corner. Kids, get down, get down. No, 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 no. You got to open the door. You got to say, hey, how's it going? Even if they're Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, that's a prime opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah. They're already thinking spiritual in it anyway. Prime opportunity given to hospitality. You don't know if that person needs it. You don't know how that person has been living, and you don't know any of these things. So, as dangerous as it could be to let a stranger into your house, I mean, you got to use wisdom. Of course, there's wisdom in this. And I think if you're thinking about being a pastor or a pastor's wife, you'll have some wisdom in that. that Sometimes there's more valuable things in the house. Maybe you have to be hospitable, but outside. Use your discretion. The, the main thing is just opening the door for the guests. You've got to be fond of them, fond of the guests. You've got to love them, a lover of people. That's what a pastor is going to be. So I, I mentioned this a little bit with the Jehovah Witness and, and the Mormon is that you got to be apt to teach. And not just teach as in, this is social studies, this is mathematician, or not, not mathematics, this is not that. No, I'm talking about teaching good doctrine. That's what he's getting at here. 
is you have to be apt to teach good doctrine. It has to be always coming out. If you want to be a qualified church member, you've got to be sharing the gospel. You've got to be sharing God's word. I mean, this is what our calling is as the church of the living God, is to hold the truth of the living God and to proclaim it. We just be apt, be wanting to, and to always be proclaiming the word. Always be sharing the word. It helps with this hospitality. It helps with everything. That's what God wants us to do. We have a command. It's called the Great Commission. In season or out of season, always ready to preach good doctrine. So we're moving on in this passage. This one I can labor a long time on just because of our society and how our society is so seeker-sensitive. And I, I could spend a lot of time on this, not given to wine. Oh, I could spend a lot of time on that. And eh, I might as well. If we get out in such and such minutes and meet at Culver's right afterwards, yeah, I got the time. Just doing some math, okay. You do not need alcohol in your life. This is revolutionary, is it not? Good theological preaching. You do not need alcohol in your life. What he's trying to get at here is that a pastor ought not have alcohol near him. And what I'm meaning by that is, oh, work, it's so hard. Man, I need to drink away my sorrows, essentially. That's what he's getting at here. You, you must not have that with you. It, it doesn't help. A pastor, a qualified church member, is going to want to go to the living God for help. Alcohol doesn't help. It makes matters worse. It will hurt nobody if you stop drinking. Nobody will be hurt. All the benefits. Nobody will be hurt. Nobody at all. Alcohol... Oh, man, well, let's just spend some time stomping it to the ground because it deserves it. Yeah. Is the, the constant drinking and the, the drunkenness, all oh, blacking out. I, how can somebody be persuaded that that's fun is beyond my comprehension. It was blacking out, like beating your spouse good, not beating your children. What in the world? How can a pastor even, why does it even need to be written to pastors? Well, that, that's just the culture. That was the culture back then. They'd get drunk and they'd, uh, let me whip my wife. That, that, that's what they're doing in that culture. It's, it's very similar to today. It, drunk driving. There's, nobody will be hurt if you quit. Nobody in the world will be hurt if you quit. You won't be hurt. Your family members, your friends, random strangers, they won't be hurt. Be foolish to continue. You wouldn't be a good church member, a qualified church member. Don't even have it near you. Don't even look at it. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. Don't even look at it. A qualified church member must not be a quarrelsome man. Don't be a striker. Pastor, there might be times that somebody comes to you and they're just really rebellious and you tell them, just flat out, you don't want to do that. Well, why? Why not? This is why. <laughs> do you get it? I don't think so. Let me get the other eye. <laughs> there might be times you want to do that. There might be times you want to do that. 
but you're not supposed to. Rats. <laughs> no, there's, there's alternate means, and, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Don't be a striker. You don't want to be known as that pastor. You don't want to be known as that church member. Not greedy, a filthy lucre. We're just working through these still. This, this one's interesting. I just did some research. It's talking about gain. It's talking about gaining financially. Now, not necessarily, it'll mention later covetousness, which is just the want, the wanting of things, the wanting of money. But he's talking about the filthy lucre as in the way, that, the means that somebody gets the money. It's not, that, that's what he's going against. So the means that you should not dwell in, let's just give some examples. When the offering plate goes by, there might be the temptation to whoop. That might be a temptation for some people. Don't do that. Like at the store that you work at, be a qualified church member that's loving the Lord and trying to serve God. Don't take from the register. This typical things, but this is stuff that's happening in these days, the, the slaves would do that. The slaves would take that from their owners. That, that, isn't, that wasn't above their, their, their calling with the debauched style of living. Be a qualified church member. Don't do that. That'll really help out pastor. He doesn't want to go to the jail, okay, for that specific reason. He doesn't want his membership in jail. He has a hard time preaching, but he'll come and preach to you, I'm sure of it. There, there's a reason for those, those three, the drunkenness, the, the quarrelsome, the striking, the, how he gains the money, because he, he can do it in this way. He can gain money by manipulating. That, that's, a, that's a way somebody behind the pulpit can gain money. Right? Like, oh, we just have this need really badly. And it could potentially be, uh, it could be, well, I need $2,000, but it only costs $1,000. Where's that other 1000 going? It, it, it could be that. It, what, there was, the reason behind that is that he's not trusting God. The, the reason behind somebody manipulating or the reason somebody takes it out of the offering plate is that he's not trusting God with his finances. Or uh, say it like this, and the next verse kind of covers that. He's not being patient with God. He's not being patient with people to supply his needs, as God has put people in his life to supply his needs by putting money in the offering plate and, and by just random acts of generosity. He, he's called to be that kind of person, to, to accept gifts like that. He's called to, to supply like that. or You're, you're called to supply his, the lifestyle that he's living, the good lifestyle, the godly lifestyle. It, it could come from not trusting God, not being patient with God, or quarrelsome, not being patient with people, as, as in, you're not getting it, you're, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. That, that's, that's, what he's, that's what it's saying. Don't be a striker, be patient. Don't, don't be greedy, a filthy lucre, don't be taking the money like that, just be patient. Don't resort to alcohol, don't say, oh, these people are killing me today, oh, it. Uh, maybe another drink. No, the, the Bible is saying, don't be all that. Don't do any of this. Be patient. Be patient with the Lord. Because the, the Lord needs a patient preacher. The Lord needs patient church members. 
We need people that will depend on the Lord and will wait with people and work with people and will love people. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Spencer who was so very much like that, where he had somebody, so many people that would come and it really broke my heart just, just talking to him about this, that somebody uh, close to me would just visit Pastor and just wouldn't get it, just, just would not get it, wouldn't get it through their skull and pastor would just work with them and love on them and spend the time with them. And I, I very much, I, I, I wept just hearing that, hearing that pastor, was, pastor Spencer loved the people like that. And, and it, it broke my heart because I, I know I'm not that patient with people. I, I know I, I don't punch people in the face or anything, but I, I'm very keen to just walk away and forget about it. That, that's my tendency. And I, I'm sure you have many tendencies as well. We, we covered three of them. Oh, we can cover some more. We, Pastor, Pastor Spencer, and I know Brother Jet right here, Pastor Jet, he's not like that because he was, he's been my song leader. He's, had, he's, he's taught in a song leading class, and I know sometimes he would have wanted to do that. There's some people who weren't getting it, but he was patient, and I love him for it. But the next verse, it, or the next uh, word, it, it talks about being a brawler. Don't be a brawler. The Greek word in that is uh, amachos. And I just got to thinking, amachos. It looks a lot like our favorite word, macho. Yeah. It looks a lot like it. It has the same word right in there. And, and not saying that Pastor Jet shouldn't work out and be buff or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I, I, or I'm not saying that of any church member here. I'm thinking, Pastor pastors, qualified church members, they ought not to be the macho men of trying to intimidate people to do their work, to do the work. Yeah. Trying not to be getting in people's faces and getting up to them like you need to be obeying, come on. And, and that's our machos right there, to be dominating like that. A qualified church member isn't dominating people. He, right. He's being patient with them. He, he's loving them. What's the next word? Brawler, after brawler. Covetousness. Covetousness, exactly. Good job. You passed the test. You can read. Covetousness, it's the same thing. Wanting so, so much. I can't, God, please, you got to give me this. You got to give me this uh, for this ministry here. Uh, I need this. Lord, uh, give, me, give me all this. No. You trust God with what you have. Be patient. God might have something around the corner for you. God might give you a blessing that you weren't expecting. God, just like the house. Brother Jet's mentioning the house and everything. And yes, he wants, he wants to sell it and everything. But he mentioned earlier that he learned a lesson that was invaluable to him. Yeah. And he, he, he learned, he established that connection with uh, Brother Craig here and just developed a love with that transition. And he, he's been appreciating that more. Yeah. He's learned that patience, being patient. And that's helped him. Amen. And that's helped and helped. But wait, there's more. Don't have that love of money. He must rule his own house. And I, I like the reason that he says, hey, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? I can, I can hear the sarcasm in his voice. Really? You expect him to take care of the church of God without ruling his own house? 
Well, there's, there's an experience that comes with discipling and teaching children. I don't have that experience yet. Maybe someday. But I, I can just imagine somebody goes to, goes to Walmart and he sees this, this adult with these children, and they're climbing over everything, and they're destroying everything. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe this person. Oh, this is terrible. Control your kid, bro. You're, like, yelling at this guy almost, like, internally screaming at him. Come on. Do something. And then come Sunday, ah, we have guest preacher so-and-so, and it's the same dude. It's the same guy, and you're just so disappointed, like, Oh, man, you've already had a bad first impression. And I, 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 that scenario probably isn't so far removed in other Baptist churches, but I've seen it today. I've seen Brother Jet today. You need to be listening. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, sorry, Jace, to rat you out. <laughs> but you're doing good. You're doing good. Keep it up. Keep it up, bro. <laughs> you all keep it up, too, all right? Be good. Keep, keep, your pastor, keep your pastor, keep your dad qualified for this job. Amen. You two should do that too. Be qualified church members in that way to keep your children. Because you, it's a terrible testimony when somebody sees your child and then you're trying to give them advice on something like as important as parenting or advice on something important like sharing the gospel and, you're, and you see children that are disrespecting the Lord in, the, in their approach of their way of living. And you see that and you're like, something's not matching up. That's gross. We got the next one too. Not a novice. Novice being somebody who's freshly saved. That's good. That's good having people freshly saved and who've just heard the word of God and understand how somebody... Has, has accepted Jesus Christ to save their life and they've been changed forevermore. That's, that's awesome. But they're not ready to be behind the pulpit just yet. They're not ready to pastor. And just give them some time to grow. Give people time to, before, before you're trying to thrust them into a leadership position, like even, even like a Sunday school or, or whatever, any position to teach and preach, just give, give the novices time. You don't, you don't want them to fall into uh, you don't, the condemnation of the devil. What's the condemnation of the devil? Pride. Be lifted up. You don't want them to get behind this pulpit. I've been saved for a year, let me tell you. And then, and then it's not even just a year. I've been saved for three months, and I'm ready to shape, shape this church, whip it up into shape. And you're like, you just got saved, man. Like, I've been here for 40 years, and are you serious? That rips people apart. Don't put somebody like that into authority. I don't think you have. I think you're doing a great job. Keep it up. How about this? A qualified church member should have a good reputation around the lost. Now, that's, that's what I'm closing on is that last qualification there. Let's read it. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, without Christ, without the church, outside, 
lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. That would be good that somebody would, sorry, that would, it'd be good that everybody recognize you as a man or a woman of God. It would be good quality to have neighbors that they don't know the Lord, just not quite yet, but you've witnessed, you've tried, that they come to you and say, hey, I need prayer in this. And you know they're desperate because normally they, they don't even talk about spiritual things or, or whatnot, but they come to you and say, I, I need help. You, you want to be that kind of a person. But I, I've had experience in the other direction. I've seen the experience in, uh, you know, he kind of has that reproach. And he, uh, l- let me give you an example. It, I, I just had it. And I, I won't knock Chick-fil-A too much, but uh, it, it happened. And forevermore, it's labeled, in my mind, as, oh, it's that Chick-fil-A. I know y'all don't have Chick-fil-A right here, but it, down south, it's prominent, and it's good and godly, and, but... <laughs> So I was able to come to Chick-fil-A when I was coming up here, and I was hungry. I just needed to eat at this moment, and I was getting a little hangry. I'll be, I'll be truthful. And drove through the wonky drive through It's just like all around, and I, I don't understand why. It was corporate, probably corporate. <laughs> and the lady uh, at, the, at the little microphone thing that's always somewhat muted and obnoxious. Welcome to the best Chick-fil-A. How can I take your awesome order? This is, this is already strange. You have w- put way too many adjectives in just a greeting. Stop. <laughs> so I, I, I was already blown back. This is strange. And she's super hyper energetic. You've had too much Frappuccino today. Okay, lady? So I, I ordered. I pulled forward. And I paid, scanned my app, and I just sat there waiting for a while. It was kind of strange. I, and normally I, don't like, I, normally I don't like stalk them and look inside, but I, I literally saw a lady uh, just make this frappuccino and whatever and then just kind of pour some of it out. Just like she spun it one, one too many times and it flings out and falls on her arm, and she kind of looks at it for a moment. All right. <laughs> like I, I saw her purposely do that. And, okay, this is not increasing this experience for me. So I'm sit, still sitting there. No one's, no one's coming to take, no one's coming to give me my food that I'm hangry for. They've given me water, but men shall not live by water alone. So sitting there, and she comes over, and says, like, I'm sorry for the long wait. And she says this, without breathing, I'm sure. It was totally scripted and, and it was just, again, strange. Stern, scripted, and strange. Got the alliteration here. And uh, may you please f- pull forward and uh, go into this parking spot facing the interstate and have a lovely day uh, while you wait for your food. I'm like, oh, okay, put on your hazards. Okay. It was just straight weird. Pull forward and I wait two more minutes. Lady finally comes out with my food, hands me it. It's a pleasure serving you. And she hands me the bag, already starts walking away, and I'm telling, by the weight of the bag, we're missing something. I know it. We're already missing something. I pull out the contents, and I'm missing the liquid gold Chick-fil-A sauce. That's what it is, liquid gold. And I'm missing it. 
I'm hangry. So this is, I have my food, I'm on the hunger side, but I, I'm leaning towards the angry side, and I, I'm getting, I'll use spiritual terminology, I'm getting in the flesh, okay? So I pull around with my car, and it, remember, corporate's messed up on this parking lot, so it has, like, do not enter signs on this, this side, and I pull in, and I've already missed it, and I, I'm facing another car, and like, this is not a good experience. Still, uh, pull around in the diagonal, I have to repark and everything. I'm just getting more and more frustrated. I walk inside, see the lady that just handed me the bag, and she doesn't recognize me. Oh, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How can I help you? Are you doing dining and carry out? You just serve me, lady. I just need my Chick-fil-A sauce and I'll be on my way. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, here, you can take more. I just want two. I said two earlier. Just give me two. And <laughs> walk out. I, was, I, I had an attitude. I just wanted to be here, okay? But I walked to my car and I'm like, I could have given her a track, but I was way too in the flesh. I was not representing Christ. Uh, but in my mind, I'm looking at this Chick-fil-A, and it's now that Chick-fil-A. Like, I'm not going back there. It's that Chick-fil-A. I'm not going there. I, I, I don't want to go to that Chick-fil-A. Guys, don't be that church member. Don't be that church member that gives Pastor Jet here a bad experience. Don't be that church member, that church member, and I, I want to say the thing, same thing to pastor. Don't be that pastor. Is gonna, you're going to have to maintain your lead foot. You're going to have to go slow through the neighborhood so you're not that church member to the people without. You, you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to talk to your neighbors every once in a while and invite them to church and to love on them. You, 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 you could say that pastor, that church member as a negative con connotation, but... You know, if you're at work and you're always sharing the gospel, you're going to be known as that guy. You're going to be known as that girl that's always sharing the gospel. And they're meaning it to be negative, but we can mean it to be positive. We can be that church member. We can be that pastor who's always sharing the gospel, who's always loving on people. That can be a good thing. I, I do have a story about a that pastor, and uh, we'll finish with that story and a couple comments. So, well... So uh, he mentioned, uh, Pastor Jet mentioned I was in applied homiletics, and one of my friends in that class, he preached a, a great message, and he, he preached and he mentioned uh, during his missions trip, he went to Alaska, and at this vi village in Alaska, there's four different assemblies of people there. There's four like, uh, different churches or whatever. There's a Lutheran church, which is basically a Catholic church, and then another Catholic church, um, and a Jewish synagogue, and the Baptist church. So the Baptist one, of course, they're always a hero in any story behind the pulpit. Uh, they're, they're doing right. And, but the others, they just keep bad-mouthing this Baptist preacher. Like, oh man, you know what so-and-so is doing over here? Uh, you know what he did? Just things like that. Making it up, rumors, whatever. And, but the Baptist one, he kept doing it right. He was bringing this, these stuff, these to the Lord. And, but the, the other guys keep bad-mouthing, but he doesn't participate. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He, he's, up, he's at a higher calling. He, he has something else to represent, the, the word of God. So the people of the village, 
They knew about these guys bad-mouthing the pastor and whatever. They knew. It didn't matter if they were Jewish or Catholic or Lutheran. They knew. So whenever they needed somebody to really pray for them, they went to the man of God. They went to the Baptist preacher. They could trust him that the Baptist preacher was going to get a hold of God. Whether they believed in that faith or not, they knew who the man of God was. Okay. He, he was just that guy. It, if, if I were to ask your neighbors like tonight, if I was going to ask your coworkers, do you, do you know a good man of God, a good woman of God? And if they can't say your name, I, I would say that you're not a qualified church member. You're, you're unqualified. And you have a chance. You have such a chance to take advantage of what's being preached here. These are basic moral truths, honestly. Basic morals that, that were against the culture. They're counterculture. Reading your Bible is counterculture. Reading, praying every day, counterculture. But you have such an opportunity to be a good church member, to be a good man or woman of God. And I, I would plead, pastor would plead for you to be that one. A qualified pastor, he, he needs qualified church members. And qualified church members are really the best help for a pastor. Somebody who can trust going to visitation. Somebody who can trust to, to, to lead singing up here, to lead uh, Sunday schools. And be a help. Love him and, and appreciate him. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.